Let Third Love provide you with much-needed support. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone, so right now they are offering you 10% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com AMR to find yours today. Flamingo makes shaving and waxing products empowering you to look and feel your best because self-care starts with the products you use every day. Shaving feels better when it's not overpriced, so visit shopflamingo.com AMR to get your Flamingo shave set. Indeed, indeed. Small businesses have to be more efficient than ever. Every hire is critical. Indeed is the number one job site on the planet. Get a free $75 credit at indeed.com slash AMR. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31, 2020. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined by Katie Sneveis today. Hello, Katie. Sarah, how are you? I am good. It is glorious, glorious weather this week. Such a welcome change after about three weeks ago of the, um, you know, the demon skies, the smoke choked Mm -hmm. skies. And um, so it means several things. It means that I am going swimming in my beloved pond before work tomorrow on Thursday. (gasps) What temp are we talking about? I mean, I know you're a badass, but like what, what temperature is the water? <laughs> um, that's a good question. I don't know. It's, it's kind of like the same way I typically don't look at the weather app before I head outside because it is what it is. Right, right. And, um, and you're but going I mean, regardless. Yes. And, and um, I'm going with um, my sort of new running pal, Trisha. And so we're going to run three miles. So we'll be a little warmed up. But when Molly and I went on Saturday, I mean, it it really didn't even give me pause to walk into the water. Oh, that's like good. there was no like ooh 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 when it hit my crotch or anything. So <laughs> wait, um, we have to back up. So you're a new, you're kind of dating your your new running friend, right? So is this the first date to the pond with her? It is the first date to the mm. pond, and um, nervous. Uh, <laughs> nervous first time no i've been nervous lots of times um <laughs> i'm sure alex knows what movie i'm quoting um and uh, so uh yes so i last night i texted her i'm like okay this is how you do it like i wear my swimsuit you know pulled down to my waist under my running clothes and that da, 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 da. so I gave her the whole lowdown um yes so but i gave her i gave trisha the option i said i'm happy to drive to the pool if you want but you know it's being nice warm weather how about the pond and she was like i'm always up for an adventure so um, oh, fun so that was good but even far more exciting, far more exciting than that is it means that John gets to dance in person with the pre-professional company, the Jefferson dancers that he is a part of. He has, they're going to dance outside wearing masks, being socially distant from each other. So they have not danced in person since March 13. That's unbelievable. Is this a performance? Is it a practice? Is it's it just, yeah, it's just rehearsal. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. So, he must be so pumped up to do that, um, just to see his buddies in person. I think so. Yes. Because he hasn't met some of them because, you know, they brought on um, new company members 
And so this will be the first time that he is the only male in the company. Last year, there were two seniors and um, they did not bring on any new guys. Wow. Um, so yes. So he knows, he knows some of the gals, but um, definitely not all of them. So, and because they do not have access to restroom facilities, the um, artistic director is keeping the rehearsal to only an hour. Okay. Um, I think because the kids have travel time, it's not like kids can obviously, teenagers can obviously hold their bladder for you know, <laughs> more than an hour without being. <laughs> Just didn't want you thinking like, oh, my kids going to not be able to go very long without being. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so That's um, a whole other topic right there. Because I can right. tell you, we've had to get very creative with outdoor activities and where to go to the bathroom, but I'm not going to scare anyone on this podcast today <laughs> with my kids. You got to do what you got to do though. Well, that's the thing I think that, that, um, but I, I think that probably since it is a sanctioned school thing, they can't be seen as, um, directing mm-hmm. children to, you know, <laughs> urinate or God forbid defecate in, in public. <laughs> oh yes. That, <laughs> that is a good rule of thumb to abide by. Yes. Yes. Now, you kind of like lurk behind a tree and watch him. Oh, you betcha. Because oh, if it's good. an hour, if it's an hour, you know, it takes about, if I recall, it takes anywhere from about eight to 10 minutes to drive there. Okay. So I'm not, I'm not driving home. So I might, um, tell him that I'm running an errand mm-hmm. and, and then just maybe move the car and then walk back. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But it's, you get so much pleasure out of wa- oh. you know, watching him dance just as much as he does oh. dancing. So it's good for both of you. I mean, I'm going to have to have a lot of tissues because oh. it is um, him missing out on his opportunity to be with Jefferson dancers every day is for me, the biggest um disappointment of the pandemic yeah um so it's a it's a big day i mean i'm just i'm looking forward to the drive to and from there like mm-hmm. it's just it's it's awesome it's a long time coming so it's the little things that matter these days right it really oh, is it really 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 is yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah so well i'm gonna um cue up our topic because then i'm gonna circle back and have you talk about it because you um unfortunately have um, intimate knowledge of this topic. Um, so we are going to be talking about breast cancer and mm-hmm. our, our guest is Fitz Kohler. I have known Fitz forever so long. I don't even remember how we first crossed paths. Um, Fitz is a respected figure in the fitness world. And then in the realm of running races, she's a highly sought after race announcer Fitz's style is big, bold, fun, and delightfully loud. It's always been that way. It's always a joy to, she brings so much energy to things. So thus, it's not surprising that when she was diagnosed with breast cancer in February of 2019, she fought back in rowdy style. So much so her fighting cancer memoir due out later this month is titled My Noisy Cancer Comeback. So Katie, you um, tell us, I mean, you're coming up on four years Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. So it was, it was actually four years in July was my mm-hmm. cancer anniversary. Um, but a quick recap, cause I feel like, you know, a lot of, well, I should say not a lot, but I've definitely told my story before. Um, but I was 38 years old, had not had my first mammogram and I was, I felt a lump. Um, mm-hmm. and I joke that after breastfeeding three kids, there was like nothing left upstairs, right? <laughs> nothing. And I thank God for that every day because otherwise I would have never felt a lump and I wasn't due to get a mammogram for a couple more years. So it would have been a totally different story had I not found that. Um, 
So yeah, I quickly went to, uh, the, my OB the next day had a biopsy and three days later I was, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, I remember getting the call because my girls and I had gone to New York city, which is where we had lived prior to Denver for like a fun trip to go visit all of our friends. And I was sitting in the park in the West village, like eating a cupcake (laughs) while my girls were running around and the doctor called. And I just Mm. have never sobbed like that in my life, but I let that happen. And then I quickly got it together and was like, okay, you know what? Now I've got this diagnosis, but I am strong and I can get through it. And that's what I did. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was a couple of years of chemo, of many surgeries. Luckily I didn't have to do radiation, but I had to do treatments afterwards too. And, you know, it was, it was a long two years, but now um, four years later, I'm happy. I'm healthy. I'm grateful. I've got a new perspective on life. And hopefully um, I think I've been able to help out a lot of other women who have received diagnosis, diagnoses, diagnosis. Mm-hmm. You would know which one is it? Ease diagnoses. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Diagnoses. <laughs> um, that, you know, are scared and terrified and don't know yeah. what this means. And I've been able to help Unfortunately, so many women kind of pick that diagnosis apart. Um, I am by no means a medical professional, but know enough to kind of help translate it for them before they get um, their treatment plan. So yeah, so you know, four years, one more year until I think I'm officially back in the population of um, normalcy. You know, of, mm-hmm. of it, I could be in the one in eight people who could get it again, but it's. It's yeah, it's mm. a crazy wild ride. And I'm anxious to hear if it's a story. Cause it sounds like she, um, I'm excited to hear her energy and it sounds like she just brought positivity towards this and a good attitude. And I think that's what it takes to get through something like this. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, it is um, going to be a very lively conversation. I know that, and I, and I know both of us are looking forward to it. So please stay with us and Fitz will be joining us after this break. We women sometimes like to think we can go it alone, but sometimes we need support. Let Third Love provide you some. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone, and I know it too. I'm a 36 and a half, while my beautiful, big busted running partner Molly wears a much larger cup size than I do. Yet we both love the fit and comfort of Third Love bras. On our weekend run, Molly told me she had just ordered three more Third Love bras. Third Love gets their bras so spot on because Third Love uses the measurements of millions of women to design its bras, providing all-day comfort and support. They stand behind their products. If you don't love it, exchanges and returns are free for 60 days. Molly took advantage of the generous return policy to find her ideal bra, and like I said, now she's a loyal Third Love wearer. Third Love makes bras in more than 80, yes, eight zero sizes. Every Third Love bra is made with signature memory foam cups, no-slip straps, and a scratch-free band from cups AA to I, including half cups like what I wear, and bands from 30 to 48. Third Love's team of expert fit stylists are dedicated to helping you find your perfect fit, and the brand's fun online fit finder quiz helps you find the size and styles that are right for you. Then you just have to make the difficult decision of deciding on color. Third Love has so many gorgeous options, including limited edition ones. I was just swooning over the minty green, called Daydream, and stormy lilac they recently introduced. Go to thirdlove.com slash AMR now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 10% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash AMR for 10% off your first purchase. Thirdlove.com slash AMR. I love a good tagline, including Flamingo's new one. Meet Flamingo, products you want for hair you don't. And the older I get, the more of that unwanted hair I have. 
Oh, the indignity. Founded by women who worked at Harry's, the men's shave brand, Flamingo is now so much more than a razor company. Flamingo offers a body wax kit and a face wax kit, both so dang handy during these keep your distance times. The face wax kit includes ready-to-use soft gel face wax strips formulated for even the finest and shortest of hairs. The kit includes 20 10 double-sided strips. Each strip is good for at least two pulls, six post-wax cloths, and one calming serum. And back to those razors. I'm still running in a tank top and now swimming at an indoor pool, so I opt for closely shaved pits. The Flamingo razor with its ergonomic weighted design and textured handle works as good as it looks, giving the cleanest of shaves in just a few swipes. The shave set includes a razor of your choice of a pretty color, two five-blade cartridges, foaming shave gel, it's so luxe, body lotion, and a shower hook for easy storage. Shaving feels better when it's not overpriced, so visit shopflamingo.com AMR to get your Flamingo shave set. It's just $16 with free shipping. With Flamingo's 30-day money-back guarantee, you can try it all risk-free. That's shopflamingo.com AMR. shopflamingo.com AMR. Yes, flamingo like the bird. shopflamingo.com AMR. Being efficient. Whether on the road or in the work world, you can go further if you're efficient. This is especially true when hiring for your small business or getting rehired. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site on the planet because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. That's clutch. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73, 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for more than 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com AMR. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com AMR. That's I-N-D-E-E-D dot com AMR. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30, 2020. Well, welcome, Fitz, and congratulations on your book. I just got a copy, and it is so well done and so just reflects you and your positivity and your energy. So kudos to you, and great to be talking with you. Thank you so much, and I really appreciate you guys having me on your show. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So for for folks who don't know you, give us a brief bio of you in the fitness world, both professionally and personally, and um, you simply must include the pedigree of your badassery um, proven by your kickboxing background. Wow. <laughs> that's, you know what? That's one of those really interesting things from my past that yes. no matter how far I am from it, I think it will always be one of those interesting things about me. But yeah. uh, I've been teaching fitness for 30 years now. I have a master's degree in exercise and sports sciences. And gosh, I love helping folks live better and longer. That is my passion in this world. And I will do it until I am no longer here. I do that by making fitness understandable, attainable, and fun. I pull no punches. People know that when I lean in and poke them in the chest, and sometimes I'm a little bit abrasive, it's because I love them. And that's why I get away with it. But I also (laughs) am the greatest opponent of diets, pills, powders, supplements, all sorts of snake oil, the type of thing that takes someone who's on a mission to 
you know, just maybe feel a little better about themselves and live longer. And those people stealing money from those who are just trying to make better, I don't know, strides in health, those people make me angry. So <laughs> mostly I teach fitness with a smile and I do it based on science. Um, but I also have that other side where it's, which I consider myself a consumer advocate. I mean, I really just respect the person trying to do better and be better. So it's important to me that they know the truth when it comes to fitness, which is watch what you put in your mouth, move your body, get some sleep, avoid the cranky people. It's really not so complicated. Um, so I do that. I do that in a variety of ways. I focus most of my efforts via mass media. So TV, radio, books, magazines, corporate speaking, uh, corporate spokesperson work, any way I can gather a large audience of people to be able to help a ton of folks in one fell swoop is where I um, focus my efforts. I also own one of the largest school running programs in the country. It's called the Morning Mile, and it's in 400 schools around the U.S. and beyond, and it's a before school walking running program. It's the only one that invites every child to participate every day along with their family and the faculty. And I'm super proud of that. And then the other thing I do, which this book references a ton of, is I am a professional race announcer. Mm -hmm. And ah, gosh, that is one of the most fun things I do. So I host some of the largest, most prestigious running events in the United States. Everything from Big Sur Marathon, Los Angeles Marathon, Philadelphia, Buffalo, OC, the DC Wonder Woman and Batman Run Series. Um, I have the great privilege of, you know, uh, launching these wonderful group of athletes and welcoming each of them in like a champion. And whereas fitness, I have to do a lot of arm twisting, compelling mm -hmm. people to do the right thing. Race day, even though it kind of is a lot of effort, I feel like it's a day off because a race organization will literally hand me 20,000 people who already decided, hey, exercise is a really good idea. And I'm going to mm -hmm. sign up for this thing, pay for it, train for it. And here I am. And then, you know, my job is to provide some structure, some information and a hell of a lot of fun. And boy, mm -hmm. is that a treat for me. So that's what I do. Yeah. Yeah. You get to celebrate the party that everyone gets to come and do after their long training cycle. Absolutely. Yeah, I get to be the ringleader of the party and who could ask for more, right? Exactly. Um, so the reason why you are here today and this, um, just a side note, is going to air in October, so which is Perfect. obviously Breast Cancer Awareness Month, but you just wrote a fabulous new book that's um, debuting later this month called My Noisy Cancer Comeback. So tell us a little bit about your diagnosis. Um, I'd love to know about the type of cancer. I mean, as a breast cancer survivor, it's hard not to compare stories. So if you can give us the details about it, and then if you don't mind telling us what age you were when you were diagnosed, that would be helpful for our listeners sure. as well. Sure. And, you know, I, I know you and I talked about uh, comparing our own stories and that's, that's a neat thing to do. Having said that, I hope everyone knows that each breast cancer or each cancer case is like a snowflake and they're all very different. So within the book, I talk about a lot of things where, Many cancer patients and survivors will nod their head and go, oh my gosh, yes, I went through that because there's some universal themes, but then there's some things that, you know, some people will never go through. And um, I think that's interesting too, but my Agreed. story, my story is probably similar to the others, but kind of unique in December of 2018, I had an annual mammogram and 
you know, I'm proud to say that my entire career, part of my platform has been annual exams of all sorts, skin check, vision, colonoscopy, pap, mammograms, you name it. I've always said it's very important to get those things. And I get them those things. I walk the walk. And my mantra has been, hey, if I have one cancer cell in my body, I want to know about it right away so I can crush it. So mm-hmm. December of 2018, I go in and I walk out with a bill of clean health, clean mammogram, crystal clean. And then about six and a half weeks later, I'm standing in a bathroom naked at Disney World, a hotel bathroom. <laughs> and uh, let me clarify. <laughs> and we will so, judge. <laughs> right. What I, you know, it depends on the day. So it was a hot day. No. Um, so I reached my hand to scratch my underboob, and there it was. It was a bean. It felt like a hard black bean, kidney bean, whatever type of bean you like to eat. But, um, it was obvious and it was definitively wrong. It shouldn't have been there. And, you know, I knew instantly in my heart, oh my God, I had breast cancer. But what I did is I instantly took action. I picked up my cell phone, which was sitting on the bathroom counter and I called my gynecologist right away. And as I tell my story, you know, it's one that I want people to know that The second you leave your mammogram, there's no rule that says a cancer cell can't go rogue in your body. Mm -hmm. So you still have to be diligent about those self-exams. You can't wait from mammogram to mammogram because if I had waited, I'd be a goner. Um, There's no way I would have made it to the next mammogram. So um, you check. And then if you find something weird, strange, interesting, no matter what it feels like, you pick up the phone. You don't hem and haw. You don't Google it. You don't call your mom. You don't cry to your girlfriends. You pick up the phone and you call. And so... I took it seriously and so did my gyno. And so within a few days, I had that appointment, which led to an ultrasound a few days later, um, where not only did they see the lump, but they found several <laughs> lymph nodes that were hard mm. and swollen. So within six and a half, seven weeks, I had a sizey lump and three infected lymph nodes. Mm. Um, the week later, I, I uh, well, I had a biopsy the next day, but the week later I had a definitive, yes, you have breast cancer. It was stage two. Mm-hmm. And um, then they went into more details. They created a treatment plan. And my treatment plan was I had six rounds of what we called the mean chemo. Mm-hmm. They didn't tell me this up front, but at the end of the day, <laughs> my doctor was like, oh, by the way, we threw the book at you. We gave you the meanest type of chemo we have. Yeah. Um, so I had six rounds of that followed by 15 rounds of some other drug. And as you'll see in the book, I mean, I thought some of it was really funny. It was torturous and I did a lot of suffering, but there were some really silly things. And the drug I was on secondarily was called Kudzilla, but if you look at it, it looks like Kudzilla. So we nicknamed it Godzilla. (laughs) And um, yeah, it was a whirlwind, 33 rounds of radiation, several surgeries, and um, I'm proud to say I am cancer-free. That's awesome. Good for you. Did you find that when you were getting in the chemo lab, getting your treatments, you kind of chat with the other women and men in there. And that's how I deduced like what was getting pumped into my body. The doctor told me, but then you just find out so many anecdotes about the drugs that they're actually giving to you too. It's, it's like, I don't know. It's just interesting that the information you can pick up from the other people that are in the lab with you. You know, um, it was interesting. The room where I got chemo was, I would have, equated to an elementary school cafeteria. So it was big and there was about 60 recliner chairs. Uh-huh. And um, I, <laughs> they gave me Benadryl. The second I walked in, it was like, here, have a thousand pounds of Benadryl. So I was groggy and I actually, for as chatty and friendly and social as I am, 
I was a little bit evasive I, or mm-hmm. reclusive, I should say. I did a lot of sleeping because of the Benadryl. Mm-hmm. I, you know what I did at chemo? I slept and then I ran to the bathroom because as they pump a million pounds of liquid into you, mm-hmm. you got to get those pounds of liquid out of you. So yeah, yes. it was a combination of sleeping and bathroom trips. I didn't <laughs> talk to too many okay. um, people, but but across my travels, because I never gave up any of my races, that's where I would talk to people on plane. I found a bu- I found a bunch out a bunch of scoop from chatting with strangers on planes. Mm, mm. So so talk to us about the toll that the treatment took on your body. Um, it was absolutely brutal. Um, mm. And and I'll start by saying, you know, when I was diagnosed, I have this, I have a unique position of working on stages, you know, for a living, I stand on a stage or in front of a TV camera. So, you know, I had to make that decision that I had to tell people, right? I'm a, I'm a Mm. private person. I'm, I'm very public with my work, but you know, if something ever goes wrong, I kind of keep it to myself and I actually would have kept the breast cancer diagnosis to myself, but for the fact that I was going to go from waist length hair mm-hmm. to no hair. <laughs> and I thought, oh, damn it, <laughs> I have to talk. They're going to find so, out. Yeah. They're going to figure this one out or I'm going to answer a lot of questions. So, you know, I made the awkward video sharing the news after I had told my very closest friends and family members, but, um, oh, the toll, I, you know, I, I had decided in advance, I wasn't going to tell anybody what, what really happened. Mm. while I was going through it, just because I'm not good at pity. I'm not good mm. at sadness. I make a living off of health and happiness. I'm a mm-hmm. joy addict. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't feel like it was fair or I don't know. It just wouldn't have been good for me to tell everybody as I was going through it. But the reality is, is that I was violently sick for a very long time. It was almost like having a tequila hangover every day for five months. Yes. That's what uh, I told everyone. It's like, it's a mixture of morning sickness of being really hungover in the stomach flu. That's, that's what you feel like. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just wasn't a good time. No. And (laughs) because you didn't get to have the good time before the night before, like if you go out, right. Then you feel okay about it, but yeah. That was not the case. No, no end to it. So I have this busy race announcing schedule, 22 events I hosted during mm. this, this treatment. And so I would get up violently ill at 4am and I'd head over to the airport because I always take first flight of the day. Mm. And um, it was, it was a weird experience being sick like that on planes and airports and airport bathrooms. I remember getting to, I, I would, some of the races I would fly in and the race director helped me out as I requested and arranged for me to have IV fluids. I can't okay. tell you how many towns across America I've had IV fluids wow. just wow. to remain upright. And then I would spend the night on the bathroom floor and I still haven't, uh, this is one of those questions. Why is the bathroom floor so comfortable when you have a stomach sickness, right? Isn't that so weird? true? Is it just the, the coldness? The cool, t- the cool yes. tiles. Yes. yes. Oh, it's like the best place to curl up when you don't feel well. So, so gross to think about, but it's, yes. it's yes. amazing. <laughs> yeah. Disgusting. So Disgusting. I get, mm-hmm. I gather all the hotel towels and put them on the bathroom floor. And then I would just <laughs> like sleep down there drooling like a sick person. Aww. But then this is the magic of the running industry. And we're a running podcast. So I really want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. My races my runners were part of my cure, no doubt, because for some reason I was able to go from that type of illness, put on my 
my, my running tights and my running shoes. And then I go and the second I climbed onto a stage, almost all of it wiped away and mm. I, I could become Fitz Kohler again. And it was the greatest distraction. It was the greatest motivation. I talk a lot in my book about the runner fueled adrenaline. You know, my, my athletes became my go-go juice Mm. And it was almost as if nothing was wrong. Now I had a few close calls on some of those stages, but miraculous what a passion can do. And that's one of the things I really um, harp on is that no matter what you're going through, if illness or injury, and there's all, all sorts, not just cancer and certainly not just breast cancer, but having a passion, golly, it, it, it made the difference between um, me staying in the depths of despair for 15 months and me re having constant reminders that I had something to live for. You know, whether you like painting or animals or nature, you got to do it. When the stuff hits the fan, you have to lean on your passions and your people because I really do believe the running industry was part of my cure. It was miraculous. Mm. I couldn't agree with more with that statement because I think um, you know, there are some people out there who curl up in bed and watch Netflix and I don't blame them at all. Right. I mean, yeah. if that's what they need to do to get through it, that's fine. For me, it was, I had three little girls at the time and I yes. never wanted them to see me sick as sick as I felt. And so I had to get my butt up and I had to perform like the mom that they expected me to be. And I thank God for that every day, because otherwise I don't know if I didn't have anything else to get me out of bed. I, I'm not sure what would have happened. So I agree. Whatever it is, whatever passion it is or reason it is, focus on that. And that helps you get through this treatment for sure. Yeah. And, and you know, my kids, amazing. I would do anything for them. But I certainly did a lot of lying in bed, curled up with my dog watching Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> but I interspersed the good stuff. And, and for me, it was all very regimented because, you know, Big Sur Marathon was going to happen on April 28th, no matter what. So I had mm -hmm. to figure out how to get there and get up and get on the stage. And, you know, like I said, it was magical for me. So I hope everybody chooses to, you know, continue doing something's kind of forcing them within reason into the good stuff because the good stuff really goes a long way. Agree. Agree. You touched on this a little bit earlier, but you know, you said you got a lot of support from people, especially women undergoing cancer treatment on the road. Can you tell us a few anecdotes about that or some people that really stand out to you that, that helped you with stories or good thoughts or, or anything that, that really, again, stands out in your mind? So I can say that, um, once I had announced my diagnosis, I had a few friends follow. I mean, it obviously breaks your heart when you find out someone you know is, has to go through anything like this, whether you've been through it or not. And so those friends would reach out and say, hey, I've been watching the way you handle this and you've really been inspirational. I just wanna let you know I got diagnosed with colon cancer or bladder or ovarian. I mean, just the list is pretty long. And so while I was helping those friends, they were helping me in return, which was pretty special. But I have one person I talk about in the book. I think it's a great story, but I'm going to share it as mm -hmm. I get on my flight between Gainesville, Florida and Atlanta on the way to, I think, Orange County, California. <laughs> Anyways, there's not much that can happen on that flight because it's only 50 minutes, but I get on and I'm a Delta Platinum member. I'm very proud of my status because of my travel miles. So <laughs> Normally I get some sort of upgrade. You're either, I'm either in Delta Comfort or next up first class, but 
this day I get put in Delta Comfort and um, I show up, I got my bald head on and I never wore a wig. I wore hats only when I was cold. I just decided I wasn't going to hide it. And, but I also never wore pink ribbons or a shirt that said breast cancer chick. I just, I tried to be as normal as I could with my bald head. So mm -hmm. I get on and the male flight attendant, he comes over to me in Delta Comfort and says, hey, can I get you anything? Now, mind you, if I was in first class, it would have been totally appropriate because they give you beverage and snack service before the flight takes off, but I was not there. Mm -hmm. I said, no, thank you, I'm okay. He's like, are you sure? Can I get you something? So I'm looking, he obviously is looking at me. He knows what's going on at some level and he really feels for me. So just say, no, no, I'm okay. So um, flight takes off and he starts the beverage service and he comes over, he says, can I get you something? And I don't even like those cookies they have, but <laughs> I needed something in my stomach. So I said, uh, yeah, I'll take a cookie. And he goes, okay, here you go. And he puts three on my tray. So here, have three. And I said, oh, okay, thank you. He goes, well, if I, if I have any more, I'll bring you more. Aww. And all I'm thinking is, no, 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 no. I don't even like the cookies. Yeah, they're but, terrible. Those little biscuits. Yeah. Know, but, oh my God, I love them. Love them. Yeah, them to me. <laughs> and I also, my taste buds were shot. I mean, the whole thing, every part of me had gone wrong at that point. But Anyways, he gives me several cookies and then promises to bring me more. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord. So he goes to the back and then on his way back up to the front with the beverage cart, he drops about 10 more packs of cookies on my <laughs> tray table. And I didn't want to, you know, I just, I knew he needed to give me that love. I don't know if he lost a person recently, but this man needed to care for me. So mm -hmm. I get all the cookies and the cookies I don't want or like, but anyways, I'm trying to shove them in my laptop bag so I can take all these cookies with me. And it was the sweetest thing. I'm on the way out of the plane and it's the pilot and this flight attendant greeting everyone saying, have a nice day type. I think so. At some point when I walk by, he puts his hand out, puts something in mine with a closed fist oh, and I no. closed my fist and took it and he goes, I'm rooting for you. And I said, thank you very much. I mean, he was just so kind. Oh. And I go out the jetway and I get into the terminal and I open up my hand and it's a rock. Oh. It was his lucky rock. It was oh. his, <laughs> I know this smooth brown speckle rock. And I just, you know, I just melted and um, I still have that lucky rock. It sits Aww. on my nightstand with another little medallion someone gave me that I, that really made a difference. But the kindness of strangers, you know, who could ask for more? This flight attendant, he would have done absolutely anything for me. If I would have asked him to write me a song, perform, perform a dance, tuck me into bed, he would have done it because he just cared so much. And, and that's kind of the overwhelming response I got from the universe while I was sick is everyone was willing to pitch in. And, you know, I felt, I felt very loved. Mm. I think, I think it's also all the positive energy that you have put out into the universe fits over the course of your career, whether it's at races or training people, you know, instructing people. I, I think it was all coming back to you. I appreciate that. Yeah. You know what? I, I truly love people. I truly care about others. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I do think those things are reciprocal. Reciprocal when you when you invest your time in people, they appreciate it and want to return that. Um, so I am very fortunate. I mean, the people people came out of the woodwork to show love and appreciation. My mailbox was always full of cards. I was always getting little texts that said, "Hey, you don't have to respond. Just know I love you." And mm. um, yeah, well, uh, you can understand it's a very 
lonely experience. So even though I was surrounded by my family and friends at many points, I was the only one who took the prods and the pokes and had the surgery and the scary treatments. And, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I don't know if anybody can undo that type of loneliness, but mm. I was definitely very supported. And, and I wish that for everybody going through such a difficult time. I think that's one of the most surprising things for me too, is like, wow, there's a lot of people out there that, that love me. I mean, you know that you do, but you don't really, you don't experience like that, something like that as an adult. Um, and it's just so heartwarming and it's so kind and it's, I'm sure you, it sounds like you've always been this type of person, but it really makes you want to do the same for others when they're going through hard times. You know, you just know how much those little things mean to people, no matter what it is, a note, a text, a meal, um, a card, anything. It's just those little acts of kindness that can really turn a person's day around. Absolutely. And then one of the most profound things I experienced were the hugs, the hugs change. So normally people give you a casual hug. It's a squeeze. Hey, how are you doing? People would hug me in a way that let me know they were so happy I was alive. I would get these 15 second squeezes <laughs> and, you know, I just felt it that they, you know, when someone's diagnosed with a potentially lethal disease, you, you fear losing them. So it was interesting as I would show up across the country, those long tight squeezes were, were, um, pretty special. Mm-hmm. Mm. Nice. Nice. So you alluded to losing your, you know, the, your taste or, you know, it changing. Um, I still don't think you would have liked those cookies anyway. Um, but, <laughs> but, um, what was, what were some of the, you know, most bothersome or surprising side effects of, of all your treatment? Oh gosh, there were so many endless. And, and what the original inspiration for writing this book was once I had my first round of chemo and everything started hitting the fan with me, all I could think was, nobody tells you this. Nobody tells you all of this. It just, you know, you're, you're told, hey, you may feel sick, you will might be tired, you'll definitely be bald, but nobody tells you about other crazy stuff. So I don't want to give it all away. <laughs> However, you know, one of the things, and this is less of a side effect than an experience or a couple of experiences, um, before surgery, there was actually quite a few times over the course of the year that they literally stuck needles and injected my nipples, Mm. which was rude. (laughs) Needles in your nipples. And it was to inject some sort of dye to make my lymph nodes light up or whatever. But I thought that was obnoxious. And I told the surgeon and the radiologist (laughs) as much, but when I went in for my, yeah, thank you. I, I, I'm, I normally speak like a lady. I was trained, you know, I was taught well, but I became a total potty mouth. But one of the things that I thought was really obnoxious and ridiculous, so I had, I was fortunate I didn't have to have a full mastectomy on either side. I had a lumpectomy and they removed 11 lymph nodes. But um, in order to make it easy for the surgeon to find that cancerous lump when I had surgery, the radiologist inserted this big barb into my breast under ultrasound. So he watched it going in, inserted the end of the barb into the tumor, and then he left the outside of the barb sticking out of me, which would sound kind of dangerous, right? You may drop your arm and hit the barb. So what they did to protect the barb is they attached a foam coffee cup, I kid you not, (laughs) over the barb and my boob, and then they taped it there. So I was stuck for hours sitting with this 
ridiculous coffee cup wow. taped to my boob. And um, yeah. Oh, and then the other thing, I'm in the hospital and I'm cranky and I'm hangry. They delayed my surgery. So I was, I was just hungry and miserable. And then the uh, an anesthesiologist shows up and he's basically George Clooney. I just thought, <laughs> get the hell out of here. Where is the Homer Simpson doctor? Because <laughs> I have no eyelashes, no hair, no makeup. I have cranky face. I got this coffee cup on my boobs. So, um, so that's just one of the experiences, but you know, rashes, my fingernails ripped off. Nobody tells oh. you that your fingernails they turn, they rip, they ripped off. They went rotten while on my hands. They oh, actually geez. rotted on my hands. So, and I'm a side sleeper. I sleep, I sleep like you're supposed to on your side with your hands together underneath your face. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I couldn't sleep because it had the rotting fingernail smell. So oh, gosh, I, I could go on for hours. I will not. But um, <laughs> again, I wrote the book because I thought, nobody tells you this stuff. And then some of it was just really, really funny. And I'm so sarcastic. I thought people will get a good kick out of this. They'll get a laugh. So oh, there you go. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So um, I think people um, from listening to you will not be surprised to know that you jumped right back into being active. Yeah. Um, so case in point, uh, this summer, you took up surfing, you competed in a Spartan race, you did a sprint yeah. triathlon, like woman, is there no stopping you? There, no, no, there will not be any stopping me ever again. That's Good for sure. For you. So yeah, you know what? Screw sedentary BS. I love life and I loved it before, um, but nothing makes you love physical activity more than being prohibited from doing it. You know, I've made my mm. career out of movement. So I was knocked down during chemo where I physically just could not do any exercise at all for several months. But as I turned the corner from the mean chemo, I was able to start baby steps. And, and I'll say by, that I've already committed on the back page of my book, you'll see that it says up next, mm -hmm. your healthy cancer comeback. So book number two, will not be a story about me. It will be guidance for you if you ever have to deal with this on, on how to mm. you know, earn back your fitness and baby steps. But I, I really did. I was so gentle and gradual about it all, but I finished the mean, or no, I finished Godzilla May 11th. They <laughs> took out my port June 3rd. June 13th, I did a Spartan 5K obstacle race. Now, mind you, I ran very little. I couldn't lift any of the health of the heavy things because I was still so scrawny and weak, but I laughed the whole way. I had so much fun and I rolled in the mud and uh, it was awesome. It was your, just... your race photo is just awesome. You, it just exudes your personality and your energy. Thank you. And you know what? I was so proud of myself. I just very rarely do people look and say, wow, I did something great. You know, I was so thrilled to be out there. I was thrilled to be the slowest. I did a, a mini, well, it wasn't really a mini. I did a triathlon two weeks later. I was dead freaking last on the bike, walked most of the uh, two mile walk at the end of it. I did it. And you know what? There, there won't be any stopping me again. I used to think I was immortal. And then I was reminded that, hey, <laughs> that's not true. And now I'm back to being immortal again and, or at least feeling that way. And, you know, life is short and I want to play. I just want to have a good time and every day matters. 
Mm. I think that's one of the beautiful gifts coming um, out of a diagnosis like this and treatment, right? Is that you really are, you learn um, at a young age, like that you are not, um, that, that everyone is immortal, mortal, right? And that yeah. we only have one shot. And so why not get up every day and do the things that you love within reason and, and be appreciative of this kind of second chance that, that we've all been given. So I agree. There's nothing better than, than kind of that feeling. If there's one thing that you can take away from this experience, it's, it's gratitude in my opinion. Um, I but I, I do think, cause I was a runner before, uh, my chemo and, and all my treatments as well is just being physically fit helped so much during treatment. Right. And it just helped you bounce back quicker. And it helped with, it helped me with the side effects. Um, did any mental tactics from your training previously help you during those kind of dark times of your treatment, um, both chemo and radiation and surgeries? Yeah, it did. So, you know, as we were referencing before as a kickboxer, that's a grueling sport. It certainly is grueling, but it's fun and it's a choice. You know, cancer is definitely not fun or a choice, uh, but I'm a very gritty person and I have great perspective. I think perspective is probably the most important thing. You know, I started this experience off terrified, confident. I was definitely dying until my doctors reassured me I wasn't, but I would always say, okay, I'm, I'm not a kid going through this. It's not my kid going through this, which would be way worse. And last but not least, it's not one of the more typically lethal cancers. So I chose to be positive, um, but it was a bear. It was very, very difficult. And, you know, for a person, I don't even remember the last time I cried, you know, and then all of a sudden I was crying all the time. Mm -hmm. all the time, not in front of my family, not in front of my friends. I would just sit in my bathroom alone and cry. I would sit in my car alone and cry. It was somewhat of a basket case. And, you know, you're, there's a lot of fear involved, but one of the most outrageous things you have to do is go in for chemo number two, after you already understand what number one has done to you, mm. or go in for ke mean chemo number six, after you've already experienced what hell five rounds of it will rain on you. So I had a mantra and it was, I can do hard things. I would just tell myself that I would look, I would reflect back on, you know, owning a business and being a professional speaker and uh, kickboxing and raising great children. You know, I am really good at doing lots of hard things as are you. And I'm sure all of your listeners could make a laundry list of tough stuff that they're involved in. Even if it's not, you know, a disease, we do hard things on a regular basis. So one of my chapters is actually called, mm -hmm. I can do hard things. And I would, I would say that to myself, just putting one foot in front of another to go sit down in that chemo chair again, or go to surgery or whatever it was, I would say, I can do hard things. And so it's a chapter title. And I actually, so if people buy the book at fitness.com, instead of going to Amazon, they'll get a signed copy of the book. And they also will get a gift with purchase. So I made up these really die cut beautiful stickers that say, I can do hard things. So it's hopefully something people will put on the back of their phone or on their laptop or just somewhere to remind themselves that even when things are rough, that they can do hard things. Nice. Nice. I will link to that in the show notes for, for sure. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, all right. Have to ask you since you're here and you went to all those races last year. Um, it now sounds almost like a dream world. Um, but um, and I realize you're not psychic, but 
you know, like what's your prediction for when road races will start to return and how they might be different post pandemic? Like you've mentioned Big Sur Marathon at least twice and, you know, they've already, um, they're not having their 2021 race. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, devastating. Yeah. Um, so I say devastating, but again, it's just a race. There are things that are really devastation, devastating, such as, you know, uh, fires burning homes and people in them and, and mm-hmm. disease. So I desperately miss my races and my runners. And I, I'm so eager to stand at a finish line, hugging thousands of strangers. It's ridiculous. I am happy to see smaller races popping back up around the country. You know, people are putting on half marathons. It's, I think things are definitely different where they're starting groups of 50 at a time versus 5,000 at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I do see it coming back. Many of my races are full speed ahead, preparing for 2021. Mm. And I like that. There's, you know, like Big Sur, but but here's the deal with Big Sur. Big Sur is a very progressive community. It's, um, they're in a very progressive state. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not ambitious like Florida and Georgia and Tennessee. You know, there's mm-hmm. gonna be difference with the way people do things around the country. So I don't think Big Sur by any means should should be considered as, you know, this is what they're doing, so we should do it too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. You know, and even Disney, Disney has all sorts of political pressure that a regular race organization does not have. So Disney canceled mm-hmm. the marathon and princess, but Disney is also its own beast. I don't think yeah, they just you know, laid off 28,000 employees today. I read in the New York Times. Oh yeah, gosh. I mean, it's it's tragic. And they really are a different, completely different beast than the average Joe race director who likes to put on 5K, 10K, half marathon. Um, I'm, you know, I've lost 35 events. I think it's 35 now <laughs> of mine. Um, but I do see them rearing their engines ready to go. Talk of a vaccine is good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Florida is obviously opening back up for business, which is great. Sadly for me, even though I live here, I only host one race weekend in Florida. All of my other events are <laughs> everywhere else. So of course. If any, yeah. race, any race directors out there need a quality announcer, I'm a hell of a lot of fun. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I do think they're going to come back. And two other thoughts is that the races that are open, I think they'll sell out quickly because mm-hmm. so many people are just chomping at the bit to get back out into our community. Definitely. And then previously, some of our race numbers were diminishing because the industry was diluted. You know, every Tom, Dick and Harry was like, oh, I have a, I have a fundraiser. Let's put on a 5k. Let's put on a 5k. There was so many of them. And now that has been, you know, someone stepping on the neck of those little guys. So mm-hmm the big ones will be able to come back. The ones that were selling out five years ago that stopped selling out, I think they'll start selling out again. And um, yeah, it might be, might be weird for a little bit, but we're Americans, gosh darn it. I, have, I just feel like we're going to get back to doing our thing and it's gonna be great and exciting. And like I said, I wanna hug everyone. So um, <laughs> if you don't think I have cooties and I, you're at a race I'm announcing, please come give me a hug. I, I want one so bad. <laughs> Maybe Amen, maybe they sister. won't. They they might not be the fifteen second cancer hugs. They might just be a little shorter hugs. Yeah, perhaps yeah. I'll take whatever I can get. Yeah. I like a smile too. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, you have the most beautiful smile, fit. So, and uh, it just comes through when you talk. So, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. And um, you know, uh, we'll definitely link to your book because I think.
think people ought to read it and, and it'll brighten their day. Um, I can't wait to read it. Thanks, Ben. Yeah. Yeah. Thank inspiration. You. Thank yeah. you. And you as well. Congratulations on making it to the other side. How many years are you out? Four years. Four awesome. years. Yeah. It's awesome. every year that takes by feels a little bit better. So I'm it's so happy a good feeling. You. Thank you. And you too. All right. Take care, Fitz. Bye-bye. Bye, team. Well, Katie, now we got to have you meet Fitz in person because yes. as fantastic as she was on the show, she's um, even better in person. So oh, she just exudes energy and happiness. She seems yeah. like a fun person to hang out with for sure. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, um, you, I, you need to do the brand mention. You need to tell people who might want to be um, finding other like-minded people where they can get together and draw energy from each other. So take it away, Katie. I do. I'm so excited to be able to do the brand mention. Um, so this is something that I've been thinking about doing for a long time, but I will give a lot of major kudos to Ruthie and McGee, Kelly Jackson Hughes and Barbara Anello for bringing it to my attention and reminding me to start a private Facebook group, which is called Bammer Breasties. Haha, <laughs> You guys get it. Um, and it's really just a place for people to be able who have you know, I mean, anyone can join it, obviously, but it's, it's mainly for people to talk about breast cancer, whether you are newly diagnosed, you're a 25 year survivor, you have a friend or a family member. I mean, everyone does, um, who's been touched by this disease. And it's the place where you can ask all the questions, you know, that Fitz was just talking about the things that you don't know about, um, where you can compare, not necessarily compare stories, but just have some commonality with other people who have gone through the process. And, and trust me, when I say that, when you talk to other people, who have gone through it. At first, it seems like a daunting process. When I was diagnosed, people would, you know, text me like, Hey, you need to connect with this person and this person and this person. And I was like, I don't want to talk to these random strangers. Mm -hmm. But once I started doing it, it was the most comforting thing to me because it made me realize that I was going to be okay. Right. Mm -hmm. That I was going to yeah. get through this. So that's really what the focus of this group is. So it's going to be, the page is going to be available on Friday, um, which is the day that this podcast is airing mm -hmm. and we'll have a big announcement in the newsletter as well as the, on the AMR Facebook page. So if you guys want to be a part of it, you just have to request permission and we'll add you to it. And so would they be able to find it if they, if, if for some reason they don't get our newsletter, I'm not sure why that oh. would be, Ugh. but, um, would they, would someone go on Facebook and just be able to, um, search for BRF breasties? So it's a BAMR breasties, B-A-M-R breasties. Gosh. Yes. Yes. You can definitely search for it that way. Um, and we can add you in there too. So it'll be myself, Ruthann, Kelly, and Barbara, who will be the admin. Um, mm -hmm. And we will kind of kick it off with our own stories. And it's, again, it's just a very general group. It's nothing planned. There's no content that we're going to be releasing all of the time, but it's really just a right. place where people connect and share and yeah. encourage. Exactly. Exactly. A virtual hangout that people can go to and draw from it, what they, what they need exactly. and, give, and give what they can um, yep. in terms of to other people. Yes. Definitely. Um, so again, yeah, that's Bammer Breasties and I will um, put that in the show notes. Fantastic. And it has a really cute logo. Um, yes. It's a very positive place. So yeah, we're excited yes. to, to be a part of it. Yes. Yes. And our podcast today was produced in Portland, Oregon by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures. Many happy miles. Mm -hmm.